Welcome to the Zen Quest of Leaders, delivering enlightened conversations, practical solutions, and evidence-based practices that span leadership, life, wellness, and inspiration. Your host, Jessica Olenberg, brings over three decades as a multi-award-winning CEO and subject matter expert at the crossroads of business innovation, law, and behavioral science. With a trailblazing career building multiple companies from the ground up, growing beyond 1,500 employees across 28 states, Jess is no stranger to challenges and triumphs of leadership. For a more in-depth look, extensive awards, hard-fought challenges, and a treasure trove of valuable resources, visit OlenbergLLC.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes and our dedicated landing page at ZenQuest.online. And now, on with the show. Let's explore leadership, innovation, and overcoming challenge in today's world. Thanks so very much for joining us today. I am your host, Jess Olenberg, and I'm sending big thanks to our listeners and supporters. We humbly tell you this show continues to climb the charts, and we credit that to our fabulous guests bringing great conversation and aha moments. Today we are talking with Bob Gross, as Bob talks leadership, life, family, travel, community give back, his red EV Mustang, music, and so much more. And as this episode releases, we raise a cheers to Bob's late father, Eugene C. Gross. Administering guidance control systems, Eugene was integral to the Apollo program of missions. He would be 90 today, and we send him our grateful thanks. Cheers, Eugene. Robert J. Gross is both the CEO and the visionary of Gross Automation, LLC. More than 34 years ago, Bob saw an opportunity to take both his engineering skills along with his incredible sense of humor and apply them to an industrial automation and controls business born in an incubator on the northwest side of Milwaukee. Since then, the company has grown to currently include 31 employees representing 59 family lives. Gross Automation now represents more than 50 manufacturing partners and has more than 10,000 unique customers, both locally and internationally. Bob is currently the president of the Kiwanis Club of Wauwatosa, as well as chair of the Sponsored Youth and Youth Services Committee. He also serves on the board of the Wauwatosa Lions Club. Both the Kiwanis and the Lions support his passion for scouting by chartering scout units, and he currently serves there as both a unit commissioner, as well as on the Shooting Sports Committee with his NRA certifications of rifle, pistol, and shotgun instructor, and as a chief range safety officer. Bob's other passions include being an instrument-rated private pilot and having his baby grand piano in his office for those occasions when he needs to just zen. Welcome, Bob Gross. It has really been a pleasure to collaborate with you and to follow your accomplishments. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure to be here. So good to have you. As it happens, today as we record is the same day you're being honored as the Titan 100 
Oh, you and saw that. I saw that. I didn't know that that had, uh, okay. That's I out. saw that. That hit some social media today. So congratulations on yet another well-deserved honor. Can you tell us a little bit about this recognition? Well, the Titan 100 is a brand new program in Wisconsin, and we just finished the program year. And so it recognizes 100, uh, I'm going to say, people that have distinguished themselves in some way, have done something awesome. Um, I don't want to blow my horn too much. So I'm, I'm truly not sure why I'm a Titan 100. But you do but awesome things. I, I hang with beautiful people sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I do enjoy being out and about. I do enjoy uh, talking, being a part of projects, of being part of the community. And uh, that that's a big part of, of my life. However, I do not know specifically why I was or was was not chosen, why I was chosen in this case. But I'm I'm not quite sure why. I'm I'm very proud, by the way, to be there. It was awesome. It was an absolutely awesome night. We've uh, we got together down with the veterans, and we stocked the veterans' food pantry. So there's a service component to this. So I would recommend. Uh, I think June 1st they open, uh, and this podcast is going to be on June 6th as you're releasing it. So I believe at the time of this podcast the uh, applications for the Wisconsin Titan 100 should be open and available. So I would encourage everybody listening to this, uh, apply, or if you don't want to apply, nominate somebody. I think that's how I got it. Okay. That is really good information. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure our listeners definitely appreciate that information. And it seems like a worthy program. And thank you so much, Bob, for you have a, a body of work in the business community and in the community at large, and it it all makes sense that you receive the honors that you do. And we thank we thank you for what you bring. Oh, thank you very much, Bob. You've traveled quite extensively. What was your favorite country to visit, and why? Oh my goodness this this is not an easy question. So first of all, the reason I traveled in the first place is back in, well, I'm going to just say ancient history because I don't want to give away how old we all are. <laughs> um, I took a course called Export Tech from Wisconsin uh, Manufacturing uh, Alliance. And uh, a lady by the name of Roxanne Bauman. Absolutely. Was, was, yeah, she, what a person, what an Wonderful. awesome person. And uh, I was, I've been selling internationally just by accident for years and years and years. And she asked the question, she said, why? What would happen if you actually tried? Because you're not trying now. And look what's happening. What if you did try? <laughs> ah, you know, the, the whole bit. I'm not sure that, you know. No, no. And she wouldn't let go. And uh, so fine. I took her class and I had a team. And then we went, and I think the first program, the first WEDC trip, uh, Wisconsin, and to give a little more background, Wisconsin does six trips a year, uh, at least pre-pandemic, did six trips a year. 
to various countries for economic development. And so you go with the state, um, they make sure that you're safe, you get a bodyguard, you get a driver, you get a translator, um, they help make your appointments for you. It's really about economic development and bringing business back to Wisconsin. And it is awesome. It is an awesome program. So that very first trip, I think, was to Dubai and Qatar. And um, it was quite an experience. I got off the plane in Dubai, and uh, my very first appointment was with someone who said, well, you know Shah Jahan, don't you? And it was like, well, yeah, but he's over in India. And they go, no, next door. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm finding that I go to the other side of the planet and I already know people. <laughs> so that was fun in and of itself being the first one. And since then, I've been to Japan twice. I've been to South Korea twice. Um, we've been to Australia, Germany, Poland, um, France, England. Boy, I'm running out of there. There's many, many more. Um, but including the last, uh, Mexico, Canada are in there. The last trip that I just came back from was Thailand and Vietnam. And so right here in April, uh, mid-April, we were over in the Kingdom of Thailand and the, uh, am I saying it right, People's Republic of Vietnam. And so we still have people here that lived through, and, and I am old enough to remember the Vietnam War. And so I was a little apprehensive going, um, but we went anyway. And it turned out to be, I'm going to say, probably my favorite trip. Um, now, I loved Mexico, especially in February. Come on. It was 80 degrees in Mexico. The sun was shining. The sky was blue. It was awesome. That's but, fabulous. But in Vietnam, it was like 95 degrees when we were there. April is the hottest month of the year for them because then it cools down as they go into their rainy season. But it wasn't overly humid. The weather was literally perfect. And most surprising to me is almost everybody spoke English. They spoke good English. It wasn't halting. It wasn't, uh, it, and they were good at it. And of the six appointments I had over two days in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, uh, four of the companies I met with all had engineers trained in the U.S. It was like being home on the other side of the planet, because Vietnam really is 12 hours offset from us. They were happy. They were a heck of a lot younger than us. Um, they all treated me to food. And uh, I just got a, I got an email yesterday from one of the companies that I had visited in April. And uh, it was a picture because I tried to take a picture of, uh, of each one of the groups that I met with. And I had my pictures and everything, and we're all standing outside their building in the sunshine, smiling. You know, typical group picture. You get everybody together. We all say cheese and everything. I'm from Wisconsin, so you got to say cheese. Then you explain why you say cheese, and, and then they all have a good laugh and, uh, and the whole bit. But they sent me a picture back, the managing director there. And it was kind of funny because there we are all standing. I don't remember this. 
But one of the girls uh, reached over and she put her hand on my stomach. And so I'm a large, full-figured adult male. And every one of these guys is pretty scrawny uh, by our standards. And it was just like, you could just see it in the picture. She was fascinated with the size of my gut. And so here I've got this picture. So, uh, and crazy things, uh, crazier things have happened. But uh, I, I suppose bring me back home here. And uh, let's just say um, very recent, my most recent is Vietnam. And I'm going to say that was my favorite uh, just because of the warmth of the people, the goodness, or the greatness of the food, and it, it just everything came together. Now, that, having said that, I leave on Sunday for Sweden. So we'll and see. And that'll what, be wonderful, I'm sure. We're, we're going to see what Sweden is like. So we're going to Gothenburg on the west coast uh, of, uh, of Sweden, and uh, we're going to be there for a week and see what, uh, I guess, surf and turf over there is uh, herring and reindeer. So we'll have lots to talk about when I get back. That's, that sounds like that will produce some stories. I, it's, 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 so all about, it's all hear. about the fun. It, you know, the stories sure. are with yes. the, the little girl reaching over and, 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 and uh, hitting my belly. That, that, that's just, you can't make that up. And it just, in the spur of the moment, those are the best make life worth living, I think. Now, it granted, is this- I, I need to work on the belly, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that doesn't, we'll, we hope that doesn't repeat itself. Bob, who has made the most influence in your life? I'm going to go with my family, both uh, from my dad early on to my kids and to my grandkids, uh, or my grandkid. I shouldn't push the envelope yet. I only have one. Uh, again, I'm not that old, uh, but growing up, dad was a major influence for me. He, when I was four or five, six years old, we built our first color television set. And so I learned resistor codes. I learned uh, uh, capacitor designations. I learned electronics long before I went to school. Um, Dad was part of the guidance and control systems team for Apollo. He put, uh, he was responsible for putting a man on the moon. Okay. We have his slide rule here in the business. Um, they did it with 23 stars, and they triangulated the stars, and that's how we got our position in three-dimensional space. Um, everything to three digits on a slide rule. And I can just see the kids listening to this at some point going, what's a slide rule? And uh, let's just say it's a mechanical device that predates calculators, and it was good. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> but that was growing up. I made a, uh, a an organ, fancy, uh, actually an eight bit uh, music organ um, to go with with the television that we did. We did a stereo system, uh, but we built these all from kits and from scratch, and that got me going on the the journey. I I basically am on. It it, it starts, and so. Yeah, that, uh, my dad on that one. I've got both my son and my daughter in the business with me now. My son is uh, an engineer as well. Hopefully, my grandson will be an engineer. At least I'm putting that condition on uh, the money that we're putting away for his college. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> necessarily know it yet, but yeah, he's there. Are conditions? 
And I can see it because he likes Legos and uh, he he puts things together and uh, we're good with that. They're both here. They're on, on my leadership team and continuing to grow in leadership. And just as a just as a unique aside here, Jessica, it's if you look at the date that you're releasing this podcast, which is June sixth. Yes, that is the date of my dad's birthday and oh. the date of my daughter's birthday. Okay, and so that is for both for both of them. That is uh, uh, that's their day. Now, Dad passed away two years ago in November. Um, but it's still a shared birthday with my daughter and we will go out and, uh, I'm going to take a bottle of crown Royal with me because that was dad's drink of choice. And, uh, we're going to go out to the gravesite and we're going to have a toast in dad's honor and, uh, on the sixth. So when you release this podcast, we will be celebrating my dad who would have been, he was 88. So he would be 90. So this would be his 90th birthday if he were still with us. And I would ask each of our listeners to also participate in that toast. A cheers to your dad upon the release of this podcast. There you go. Dad was very specific to Crown Royal. Back then, that was the drink of choice. It was Crown Royal. Well, that purple velvet was pretty cool. Oh, yes. Indeed. Good branding. I hear you like coffee. Um, yes, I do. It's uh, might you have a coffee story for us, Bob? Oh, did you serve that one up good, huh? <laughs> now, was that a pour over or was that drip? <laughs> uh, I had a uh, opportunity. Uh, okay, going way back. So, I, I guess I got to tell the whole story to, for it to make sense. Of course, way way back when I was in my early twenties. I worked for Alan Bradley out of the Detroit Service Center. Okay. And one of the things of working for Alan Bradley is uh, we had lunches and everything uh, available for uh, for for all of our customers and uh, suppliers and anybody else that happened to be in town every day. And so you had like hot dogs on Monday and spaghetti on Tuesday and and you had all this food and you had all the drink that you could drink. So we had Cokes and well, let's just say we had Cokes. And so I spent the first nine months there drinking full strength Coke. Ooh, four five, six bottles. I mean, it was all you could drink, right? Sure. So, um, I believe I was Mountain Dew at the time, but it was full strength. And, and I was a Mountain Dew guy, but I had switched over to Coke at that point because it becomes kind of funny then because the boss called me in and I had just outgrown my next set of pants and, and everything. And he said, well, Bob, you know, you really need to start drinking coffee. And it was like, no, I hate coffee. Coffee sucks. It, ugh, no, you don't get it. And he says, you want to, you're aspiring in a sales career. And so my advice to you in sales is learn to drink coffee. And here's why. He said, people are nice. They will offer you, you go into their facility, you go into their plant, you go anywhere, they will offer you a cup of coffee because they're nice people. And probably the coffee is back in the maintenance office. It's been on the burner for six hours and it's thicker than mud and tastes like crap. But you know something, you're going to like it because when they give you, when they offer you a cup of coffee, you always say yes. Then you've got about 20 minutes. 
because nobody is going to throw you out during your cup of coffee. If you don't take the coffee, eh, three to five minutes, you're not making your point, boom, they're tossing you. You got nothing. But if you want to get a good 20-minute plus, take that cup of coffee, and they will be nice enough to you that you have an opportunity to make your case and do what you need to do. And he finally got me to the point where I could tolerate shop coffee, if you will, the, the bad, the worst of the worst of the worst. And that has so changed the game all the way through the last 35 uh, to 40 years of my sales career. But as I look at, at, at my sales career, how many times I've used that and how effective it has been. Got you the, extra, you the time. extra face time. Now, today, I am addicted. Uh, you know, I guess it's like anything else in life. If you do it enough, you, sure. you grow to like it. And I don't take cream. I don't take sugar. I don't put anything in my coffee. And the darker roast it is, the the heavier it is, the better. Um, and so I've, I've really learned to like that. I use that with my team today. And for those that call on me, I said, hey, uh, my drug of choice is coffee. I'll meet you in the coffee shop at seven in the morning. You can determine also through just that little ritual who is and who isn't in the game for the long term. But, you know, again, you don't always have to like coffee. But if someone says, yeah, I'll still meet you at seven o'clock, but I'll have tea instead. OK, we're fine. Just like just like you're sitting there drinking tea right now. Instead I of am. I, I've been known to I've been known to have a tea once in a while when I've had to. Well, truth um, be told, though, I did have at least three double shots of espresso. And actually, let me dive back into, you had asked me previously what country yes. I liked. Yes. Vietnam is known for their teas. They have some of the most exotic, aromatic, and wonderful teas. I brought back two, uh, I brought back two containers of teas uh, for my family. I didn't know any of that about Vietnam. I, you know, teas, you think China. But right. they have the climate there. For, for just some wonderful flavors of teas that you can't get anywhere else in the world. That makes that certainly makes sense. I, I recall the tea plantations from our economic development trips that um, we had taken to China. Well, you also have China's got what one billion plus people, one point one billion. Um, yeah, they are gonna they are gonna dominate the tea discussion. They've got the land. They've got the people. Um, Vietnam, I think, was, what, 45 million people. But they've got the climate, and they've got more of the, the open space and stuff. But they don't have the processing power. And so I I doubt if you go to any store here, you're going to find Vietnamese teas. Um, but you will find Chinese teas. So it, interesting form of development. That's a business for somebody else at another time. I'm going to stay with my programmable controllers, my operator interfaces, and my industrial computers for now. <laughs> and that's fabulous. And I, I love that whole space. In fact, uh, one of our longest standing and, and favorite clients over the years has been ABB. So the idea of automation, the idea of really anything that is innovative with regard to manufacturing automation, power distribution, electronics, motor control, all things that I love to do. And, that um, is my life. 
my my father was a manufacturing turnaround executive and an inventor. So like you, very early on, we were taking things apart, putting them back together, figuring out how to make them better. And and actually with um, just about everything, I have leveraged technology to scale. And it's always been technology that wasn't yet invented. So scaling HRS past 1,500 employees was done entirely through developing an HRIS system that didn't exist yet before app tracking was there, before monster.com was there. We created that original software and are actually recognized by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for putting together the original time clock to payroll to labor distribution interface. That is one of the things I wish I could do. And I may yet find a way to get a patent under my name, but I do have copyrights and and I do have trademarks. And they are Uh, important. Because people but I've will never infringe. gotten it, never taken it to the point of a patent. We have our own designs and everything, but it's far past where we can get patents on it. But it still is our intellectual property. So we're in that we're in that little bit of no man's zone. But at some point, you know, that would uh, that's one thing I don't have, and I've always wanted. Well, the innovation that you bring is is always fun to watch. I I have a particular interest in it. Thank you. So tell us what's new at Gross Automation. What what excites you the most that's going on right now? What excites me? What excites you? Excites me. Wow, life right now. Everything is, it's like we're experiencing a rebirth. Uh, You know, COVID really knocked us down. It really kicked uh, a lot of people in the teeth. And even as far as ending last year into December, January, we're still uh, starting, we're, we're still fighting supply chain issues and pricing issues. And it's like with the weather getting better here in the spring, March, April, especially May here, life is good. It's changing. It, it's starting, uh, we're starting to breathe again Um you know, I just this morning coming out the door, the sun was shining and the and the sky was blue and the rabbits were doing rabbit things. Um, and the, the dog decided to go chase them down the block. Uh, but just awesome today, uh, things that are happening. We um, I guess I should put some some stuff on that. Our sales uh, are up. May might be our best month. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Might be. We're we're um, it's going to take us a while to close the books and figure out uh, what really did and didn't happen. I've got some manufacturing that we're starting finally uh, starting to move forward, um, which includes our our intellectual property, and that is in is exciting in and of itself because we are moving into uh, solar and wind and many of the green technologies. So I, as you may or may not know, I drive an electric vehicle. I have one of those Mach-E uh, Mustangs. Okay. Which, uh, there's not enough. There's not a lot of them out there. It turns more heads than Teslas. <laughs> and so, you know, I've got a good old-fashioned Ford. That 
area, that part of technology is, at least for us, is really starting to move quickly. I'm not a tree hugger, but at the same time, our electrical infrastructure does need to be worked on. And golly, who happens to be in electrical infrastructure but us? So we're building combiner boxes. We're putting in EV charging stations. We're taking the electricity from the pole through the transformers, rebuilding all the infrastructure within a building so that we can deliver the power where it's needed the most. And that is awesome. So what's new and what excites me the most, it's that electrical grid upgrading that's going on right now. And this is going to be awesome for us, for society. We all win. Everybody, no matter how you feel politically, everybody is going to win at this. I love this. Is it weird that I feel so excited about this technology? (laughs) The, The science and math in me comes out all the time. And I just love technology. I love what you're talking about with just the electric vehicle that you're talking about. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, dad bought a 79 Mustang. And all I remember is we squealed those tires. We could spin that sucker in a parking lot like no other. Um, it had the five liter engine. It was it was just awesome. So in my mind, that is my baseline for a Mustang. So then I it took over a year and I've not had the car yet a year. Um, I just on a whim placed one on order one of the new Mustangs. And it is not my dad's Mustang. It has uh, a SUV chassis because it has to fit the battery. Okay. And so that makes it wide. Uh, Mustangs weren't necessarily wide, but this makes it wide. I I can't tell you exactly how much wider, but for my large full-figured adult male uh, body, it fits. Maybe I got an extra three quarters of an inch to an inch in the seat. So it fits really nice. Um, And it also, in the old Mustangs, you kind of slid down onto the floor uh, when you get in. And most SUVs, you have to slide up or step up to get into. This one is just perfect at butt height. And so I I can slide right on in. Um, So it is is an old man's Mustang. But I did buy it bright red. Um, so there you my, go to my midlife crisis red <laughs> one thing it is. And, and I did ask, I said, all right, so this is the wrong body style. It's too high. It's not, you know, it's not this, this, and this, and you can't squeal your tires because everything is computerized to the, to the nth degree. And what makes it a Mustang? And he said, try and accelerate. So I went out to my, to my mother's, uh, area out in town of Lisbon. And I, I got out on JK and pointed my nose up a hill and stomped on the on the pedal. I can't say the gas pedal because there's no gas. <laughs> um, I was at 70 miles an hour in probably three and a half seconds, and it didn't spin one wheel. It won't allow you to spin the wheels because it's always sensing and driving and, and everything else. But it is I, I just wow. It, it, it's it's all Mustang for performance. And then uh, one of the guys I was talking to was talking about that new F-150 Lightning, that that accelerates and has more power even than the Mustang. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, okay, 
So muscle cars have certainly evolved uh, at this point. I love the car. The car is is wonderful. It fits everything that I want to do. The infrastructure for charging it sucks. Uh, I will take a gas vehicle if I got to go any further than O'Hare to the south or Madison to the west. So we're not there yet. That's why I said what what's exciting here is we're part of that solution. We're not yes. part of it. we're not part of the problem. Uh, well, unless the problem is the char is electric vehicles, but I can see and I'm driving and I'm drinking the Kool Aid already uh, on the electric car, and so it's awesome. I just yeah. Anytime, anytime you want to come over, uh, I'll take you out of my hot red Mustang. I will take you up on that. All right. Here is the question for all of our Zen questing leaders out there, Bob. We've learned that to optimize our capacity, we need to actively refuel our tanks before they run dry. What do you do? to actively refuel and to actively recalibrate. In short, Bob, how to use Zen? So the old answer would have been, I have a psychiatrist and I pay $300 an hour to sleep on the couch and lie about my past. But my mother actually got me, she she was the the non-technical side of the family. And uh, she's still with us. Uh, She's 85. And uh, she got me started on piano. She had started on piano. And Grandma had started on piano. And so one of my collections, if you ever come over, is I have music going all sheet music going all the way back into the early 1900s from my grandmother and my even my great grandmother, uh, a couple of those pieces. And so when I was, oh, I wasn't even four years old. Uh, mom had me at the keyboard on a piano learning to play. And so that has stayed with me, boy, my entire life. Every time I got picked on, every time I got beat up at school or things went wrong, um, I'd come home and play the piano. Now, some of it was forced because you got to practice for a half hour every day and, you know, all that other good stuff. But it went beyond that for me. It became my refuge, if you will. And I can even remember at high school, um, in the music room, I would go and, and check out one of the piano rooms and just go in there for half an hour, 45 minutes when I should have been at study hall. Now, and that, that was a legitimate use of study hall and just play because in my, in my mind, that calmed me down. That was, what is it? The old saying, music, uh, soothes the savage beast. <laughs> um, and I can get to be a beast sometimes, at least mentally. Uh, in the brain. But I did so much on piano. And it was, and and I was an organist for uh, a summer over at St. Therese in Wauwatosa and uh, at a couple other places uh, while I was growing up. But I didn't even in high school, and and I got a C in music, by the way, because I didn't have, uh, I didn't have a teacher. I was doing a lot of this on my own. And so towards my junior year of high school, I went and I, re, uh, I re-engaged a professional teacher to the point that in my senior year of high school, I received my music degree by audition from the National Guild of Piano Teachers. Fantastic. So I have the, they certified that I had the skill level 
uh, and uh, all the equivalencies of a fully degreed person in concert piano. During that time, I worked uh, at Shakey's Pizza Parlor out in Waukesha. I was one of their piano players. If you, if you're old enough to remember, and most I am old enough to remember. Oh my goodness! Indeed, yeah. I was I was 16, 17, 18 years old. We were making money hand over fist. I, it was 101 slides, 35 millimeter slides. This is before PowerPoint. Uh, for the young ones listening to this, there was a time before PowerPoint, and we did get by. We called them slides. Uh, and so I had 35 millimeter slides of 101 of the old turn of the century songs. And I had a banjo player that worked with me. And we sat there, we we drank beer, uh, helped people eat their pizzas and sang all night long. And that was uh, that was quite a way to get started. Um, went to the Rustic Inn in Oconomowoc for a while. Stefano Supper Club here on uh, on Appleton. These are all places I don't think even exist anymore. And then uh, I started getting a real job in engineering because I had my engineering degree. Um, so I switched from doing nightclubs to uh, playing a church. And I've been the choir director and the pianist for at least four different denominations, not just churches. There's maybe a dozen churches in there, but between the Methodists, the Catholics, and I, and I am Catholic myself, uh, the Lutherans and the Episcopals. I have, okay. uh, I have run choirs and played as organists in, in all those faiths. And in fact, one of my last choirs is I had a 21-member all-male chorus over at Trinity Pilgrim United Methodist here in Brookfield, and we cut two CDs. So I have uh, pictures and music, and they're hanging on the wall here in my office of the two CDs that that we cut as an all-male chorus here in Brookfield. Anyway, that all comes through to I've had a baby grand in my office, and I sit here and I, I play the piano. Most of my staff knows if Bob's playing the piano, you do not bother him. My piano is really the, um, that's my $325 an hour therapist. So yeah. you de- you decompress. That is, I I that is my way to. I can be angry at the world. I can have all kinds of things going wrong with me, and I need about fifteen to twenty minutes on the piano, and and it's more better. I'm and I'm it's good. but it's so engaging, I, and I recall too, and I I can speak on this also being uh, starting piano around the age of five, playing for about seven years, still in my soul. I recall. Uh, earning money at a young age and spending all the money I would earn on my favorite music. Yes. And it, how completely therapeutic it would be when it's so difficult sometimes to be able to change the speed of your thought, turn off, but you can redirect to something that will be engaging, more soothing, or has less jeopardy. And, and it's not the same. It's not the same listening to somebody else's music. It's I mean, true. It's nice. It's nice. You know, you got your top 10 for a reason. You played in the car and everything else. But there's just something about creating it yourself. And I hope, I really, really hope with all the electronics and uh, with all the technology and music uh, right now, including killing music programs literally through the pandemic, uh, that we don't lose that. 
real piano, not an electric piano. And in fact, I've argued, I've had many uh, knockout, drag out arguments over real versus electric because you can electronically and with sound sampling do almost anything you want, but it's not the same. But without the electric, even the position and the pressure and the posture of just your fingers has such a dramatic influence Mm -hmm. on the sound. And some of that goes away or can be cheated. (laughs) Your fingers, your elbows, your shoulders, your back. How you sit. Just how you're sitting. Absolutely. Um, The use of the pedals. Uh, and playing the organ in church is not the same. It, yes, your your feet are very active using the the lower uh, the lower octaves, but you're not. It, it it's not the same. It, it's just like give me a stud piano, good old fashioned baby grand, and I will be happy eventually. Um, and I've got it right here in my office here with me. That's wonderful. Thank you very much for sharing that. Lastly, how can our listeners learn more about you or reach you? Just maybe tell us what your website is, et cetera. Give that kind of contact information so that those who don't have access to the show notes can. Lastly, how can our listeners learn more about gross automation? Well, we are on the web at grossautomation.com. That's pretty easy. Uh, But that is only one of about 50 websites that we have. Ah. We have literally created a vertical website for every one of our suppliers. So if you look at hoffsales.com, if you look at uh, westermosales.com, basically you take one of the manufacturers we represent, adsales.com, to the URL, and you'll find us. The other way is I am on LinkedIn, and uh, as Robert J. Gross, I am on Facebook, uh, although I don't go to Facebook often. Um, I'm more on LinkedIn as a business tool. I am on Twitter, uh, at RJ Gross is my Twitter. Um, And I think those are the big three. We do multiple other outreaches, emails, uh, and stuff. If you want to get on our mailing list, just drop me an uh, email at bob at grossautomation.com. Additionally, I am out and about. Come come join the Wauwatosa Kiwanis. Come join the Lions Club of Wauwatosa. Come to the IBAW Breakfast. Come to the President's Club, the Dale's, Dale Carnegie President's Club. Um, I am out and about having fun. Last night, we were at the Wauwatosa Chamber of Commerce uh, over at Pizza Man and uh, shaking hands and kissing babies. Or, and we love to see you out, Bob. Please look me up. And by the way, I'm always a sucker for a good cup of coffee. <laughs> and you get extra time with the coffee. There you go, because nobody throws you out uh, as long as you're drinking your coffee. Sage advice. Thank you so much, Bob. It is always such a pleasure talking with you. And thank you for today's insight and letting us know all the wonderful things that you're doing. And and I look forward to our next opportunity to talk. 
Thank you once again to today's guest, and a heartfelt thank you to our cherished listeners for embarking on this enlightening journey with us on the Zen Quest of Leaders. If you found this episode as inspiring as we did, don't miss out on future conversations. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an enlightening moment. And for even more insights, in-depth information about our exceptional guests, thought-provoking topics, and our ongoing initiatives, be sure to visit our dedicated landing page at zenquest.online. Proudly brought to you by Olenberg LLC, this podcast is a testament to our commitment to bringing you the very best in leadership, innovation, and empowerment. Stay tuned for what's next on the Zen Quest of Leaders. Thank you for being part of our journey.